Stalemate. Welcome to the Texas Take, the number one political podcast in the great state. I'm Scott Braddock, editor at QuorumReport.com, reporting from Washington, D.C. this afternoon on a Friday to bring you all the latest on what has happened with this Democratic quorum break here. Many Democrats from the Texas House are in a hotel that has no bar in the lobby. You heard me right. There's no party going on at that hotel. If anybody tries to tell you otherwise, certainly not happening as of yet, um, Jeremy Wallace, by the way, is on assignment this week. He'll be back to help me guide you through the news next week. Uh, and what was the point of this Democratic walkout? What was the entire point? Well, two points, I guess. One is to stop elections legislation back in Austin, where Republicans are praying each day on the Texas House floor. They are doing things like setting up a quorum trap. I saw Briscoe Cain, the chairman of the elections committee, uh, was doing one of those little box traps where you set a cardboard box sort of up at an angle. You put something underneath the box and a stick underneath the side of the box that's up in the air so that if something wanders underneath, the box will come down and trap them underneath the box. He put a 12-pack or a six-pack of I don't know what it was. I don't know how many beers were in there, but he put some Miller Lite underneath the quorum uh, trap box. Very clever. You remember, as we told you on the last show here, that the Democrats uh, were caught red-handed. Such a scandal that they had a 12-pack of Miller Lite uh, with them on that plane. Uh, that they, Or actually, it was on the bus before they got on the plane uh, coming here to D.C. The Democrats so far are accomplishing mission number one, which is holding up that elections legislation. The other big goal here is to get Congress to act, to get the federal government involved as sort of a backstop for those Democratic legislators, lawmakers at the state level. Well, it does seem that these Texas Democrats did get the attention of President Biden. I mean, at least he's talking about this now. But some things in America should be simple and straightforward. Perhaps the most important of those things the most fundamental of those things is the right to vote. The right to vote freely. What is it he doesn't like about the proposals in Texas? In Texas, for example, Republican-led state legislature wants to allow partisan poll watchers to intimidate voters and imperil and, and impartial uh, poll workers. They want voters to dive further and be able to be in a position where they wonder who's watching them and intimidating them, to wait longer to vote, to drive a hell of a lot long, excuse me, a long way to get to vote. They want to make it so hard and inconvenient that they hope people don't vote at all. That's what this is about. Governor Abbott says Biden isn't telling the truth. The fact is that Texas is passing a law that expands, not reduces, the hours of early voting. That's more than many states, including President Biden's home state of Delaware, which has zero hours of early voting. The Texas law also helps to prevent mail-in ballot fraud in Texas. That is an issue that both Republicans and Democrats agree on. It will uphold the integrity of our elections and ensure that Texans who do qualify to vote by mail will have the ability to do so. President Biden and the Democrats must stop the misinformation. Texas is very simply making it easier to vote 
and harder to cheat. Abbott has also said that he will call legislators back into special session after special session after special session until an elections bill is finally passed at some point this year. In fact, Abbott said special sessions could last all the way until next year, all the way up until the next election, which will be really uh, productive for those campaigns of those legislators as they try to hold on to their seats. Abbott says Democrats are going to be arrested when they return to Texas. A lot of tough talk from Abbott. He also told the Texas Standard and its host, David Brown, on Texas Public Radio that the special session isn't only about elections law changes. A lot of people are unaware uh, that there are a lot of items on the current special session that deal with far more than just election integrity. One involves bail reform, and as Senator Joan Huffman put it yesterday, uh, the, the refusal of the Democrats to show up to the Capitol and address things like bail reform is deadly because since our regular session ended uh, uh, all the way through yesterday, uh, Senator Huffman said that five people have been released from jail under the current bail policies and killed somebody. There are dead people today because the Democrats have refused to step up and uh, reform our broken bail system that lets very dangerous criminals back out on the streets. So the Democrats have blood on their hands for failing to step up and do their job. We don't know how many Texans may lose their lives uh, until the Democrats finally return to the Capitol and step up and pass bail reform policies in the state of Texas that do not let dangerous criminals back out onto the street. But that doesn't sound like a scare tactic at all, nor does telling Democratic legislators that they'll be arrested if and when they come back to Texas. Wait, strike that. Reverse it. It does sound like scare tactics. So what do Democrats think about that? Democratic State Representative Jasmine Crockett is a freshman from Dallas County. She's among the members who are here in D.C. with other members of her party. And she says she's not afraid of what Abbott's talking about. I mean, I don't worry probably because I know the law um, and the governor knows the law as well. Um, I'm a criminal defense attorney. And so I understand that I've not committed a crime, so I can't get arrested. The most that could happen is I could be detained. And it's not the governor that gets to make that decision. It's the Speaker of the House. The Speaker of the House that was elected by both Democrats and Republicans. He's the one that has to make that an issue. Um, The governor can do special session after special session. And I'm sure that's kind of your next question. Um, But I'm not worried about the threat of being arrested. The most that could happen is we could be detained, which is why we got out of the state. Now, here's the key question. What is the long-term plan here by the Democrats. They're holding up this legislation for now. They seem to have at least the attention of the president and some of the members of Congress they've been talking to are starting to listen to them, although I did see a report this afternoon that Joe Manchin, who's one of the big holdouts in the U.S. Senate, he's going to be hosted by some Texas Republicans for a fundraiser. (laughs) So winking a nod on that. Who knows what any of this means? Um, The long-term plan, what's the real deal? Representative Michelle Beckley is from Carrollton, Texas, in Denton County, and she was asked about that on CNN. Is there some other step beyond this? Um, we will. We have to see how we go because we don't know what the governor's going to do. We don't know what the Republicans are going to do in the state house, or what the Senate is going to do in the nation. So everything is a moving puzzle, and we will adjust as we can. And we do have plans, and you know, it's not something we are at liberty to tell you today. Remember, it's not that important where the Democrats are. It's important where they're not at the Capitol in Austin. You could see the Democrats here for a few weeks in uh, the Washington area here in the District of Columbia, and then they could go somewhere else. 
Some of them might go back to Texas. Others might go to places like, I mean, some ideas were floated, I think, uh, like going to Georgia, for example, to you know be there and you know stand with Stacey Abrams and her fight for voting rights. Go to some of the other states where these laws are being passed that Democrats say are voter suppression. Go on a tour. That's one of the ideas that's being floated out there now, I think. Uh, Calendar's chairman, Dustin Burroughs in the Texas House, a Republican from Lubbock, was on Newsmax, because of course he was, and he said, it sounds like the Democrats don't actually have any plan at all. I, I think maybe they're secret because they don't uh, really have one. I mean, at the end of the day, look, we have been sworn to come down here, debate our ideas, vote on issues. Um, they have flown away to D.C. on private jets, having a good time. They do not have an exit strategy. We will be here. We are ready to work. We're ready to vote on this bill and a host of other important issues for the state of Texas. And if we don't get it done during this special session, the governor has said he'll call another one and another one and another one. This bill will pass. There is no exit strategy. There is no plan other than for them to come home and do their job. Burroughs and other Republicans say that what the Democrats need to be working on, that they don't bring up the elections bill as much, although he did talk about it a little bit there. What they've been talking about quite a bit, uh, the Republicans have in the Texas House, is helping teachers, helping teachers by giving them a boost, retired teachers, caught in the middle of the voting rights fight. Now, this was our headline at quorumreport.com. Texas teachers now caught in the middle of the voting rights quorum break as Republicans now push a 13th check that they, that the Republicans, let linger in the regular session. This is from the story by Kimberly Reeves. Republicans are betting that a $700 million bobble, I love the word bobble, a 13th check to the state's retired teachers might be enough to lure some of the Texas House Democrats back from Washington, D.C. to complete the work of the current regular session, the current, uh, current special session, I should say. Representative Jim Murphy, a Republican from Houston, opened the House Republican Caucus News Conference yesterday with a greeting to all those who might be watching. Here's what he said. As you can see, my colleagues are flanking us on either side here, he said in a well-attended address from the uh, Speaker's press room. We appreciate everyone being here in attendance, as well as those watching on the live stream around the world. I'm sure there were plenty of people around the whole world watching this live stream. Even if the Democrats are not here at the state capitol, we want them to be part of this process and the public to know what we're doing. The issue is you could get a 13th check from the state to retired teachers in Texas. What is being left out of this in the Republican narrative is that that bill died in the calendars committee, which is chaired by, as I mentioned, Dustin Burroughs from Lubbock, who said that the Democrats need to come back and do this work. Now, if you ask teachers about this, look, I think it's a smart play by the Republicans to make this the issue they're talking about primarily as a way to sort of lure Democrats back. They're certainly not going to accomplish that, going to accomplish that with the talk about the elections bills. But on this, the teachers groups are pretty savvy. They know what happened in the regular session. They know that the bill was killed uh, by Republican leadership for whatever reason. You might say that maybe the Republicans didn't kill the bill, but they certainly let it linger and didn't make it a priority. And the thing didn't pass. It's one of the many things that didn't pass. There were lots of things that did pass. Abortion restrictions. Um, there were, uh, you know, the gun bills uh, that were passed, the, the main one being, and there were several of them, by the way, the, the main one being uh, constitutional carry of firearms. There were certainly things that were prioritized by Republican leadership that made their way all the way to Governor Abbott's desk and signed by the governor. Those things are now Texas law. That 13th check for the retired teachers is not 
one of them. And it's not for lack of support from Democrats. Democrats were for this in the regular session. Now we have a special session where there are a lot of things in the mix that they don't agree with. And so they're not here, right? So there is a lot going, there's, there's more going on than just one issue. The Republicans are right about that. Uh, but to act as if Democrats are holding out because they don't want to help retired teachers. Mm, what is the word that the kids use for that? Is it gaslighting? Maybe it's not what the kids say. It's what, it's what we all say. Um, our publisher at quorumreport.com, Harvey Kronberg, had, if I may say, a brilliant column this week. He talked about the fact that when Governor Abbott uh, line-item vetoed the uh, legislature's funding, he may have compromised full Republican control of redistricting. What does he mean? Well, there's all, you know, there's all this argument right now about the uh, elections bill and specifically what it would do. Democrats say it's voter suppression. The Republicans say that it's uh, protecting election integrity, even though the Secretary of State, former Secretary of State, appointed by Greg Abbott, said we had a smooth, secure election, so we should be good to go. Lieutenant Governor Patrick, I will remind you, said that we have increased voter turnout and secured the election year after year, election after election, in this state. So it leads to the question, why do we need to do anything? Well, Mr. Kronberg in his column brought up the fact that uh, as the governor took retribution, this act of retribution to defund the legislative branch through his line item veto, what did Abbott say about why he was doing that? It was because the Democrats walked out at the end of the legislative session, killing that elections bill. Um, in doing so, he may have, and I'm paraphrasing, the column now, but he may have found a way to screw the Republicans, which is Republicans would like to do redistricting this year, shore up those political boundaries for their own party's political advantage. Um, even though the Texas constitution doesn't say that they have to do it this year, they can do it this year, but there are people pretty high up in the Republican political apparatus in this state in Texas who do understand that for redistricting to happen this year, Democrats have to have some reason to be in Austin. They have now shown the power and the willingness to not be in Austin and the ability to deny the Republicans the ability to move forward. Republicans are stuck until the Democrats come back. Um, the legislative branch is the branch that starts the redistricting process. So without funding, which will run out come September 1st, then redistricting can't even get started. So if Abbott wants to help his party out here, he will find some way to get the Democrats back to Austin that doesn't only include threats, because it, at least for right now, uh, the Democrats are not reacting to that very well. The Speaker of the House, Dade Phelan is trying a couple of different things in his capacity as the presiding officer of the House to try to do something that he's now charged with, which is trying to compel attendance to the legislative proceedings, trying to get the Democrats there in Austin to, as Republicans would say, do their jobs. Did a couple things. One was in the first one was punitive. And the second one was something that some people said was a stunt. Others said, well, you know, he's just offering them a ride back. Um, the speaker removed Joe Moody, Democrat from El Paso, from his position as speaker pro tem. This has largely in the past been sort of a um, ceremonial office, the guy who holds the gavel when the speaker's not there. But it was pointed out to me, and uh, this is something that's a little under the radar, but that's where we live at Quorum Report, down in the weeds. 
it was uh, expressed to me that the way, without getting into all the details, the way that the House rules were changed in this session was meant to, in a, in a way, formalize um, the Speaker Pro Tem's role as somebody who is a deal broker, somebody who helps bring people into the fold for the Speaker and get big things done. And I was thinking about the last few speakers and the way that this role of Speaker Pro Tem was utilized. If you go back to Speaker Strauss, That'd be two speakers ago. Strauss had Dennis Bonin as his speaker pro tem. Bonin, a conservative Republican who would work with other conservative Republicans to bring them to the table for Strauss, who, you know, on a lot of the big things that Strauss wanted to accomplish, they were more of the um, bread and butter issues. You know, he wanted to focus in on public education. He wanted to focus thing on things like uh, water infrastructure, for example. And that's something that Democrats could easily uh, support. Those are things that they do support. Uh, but there were a lot of conservative Republicans for whom this is an issue, you know, spending more money on different things. And so Bonin was able to help round folks up. When Bonin became speaker, he's a more conservative Republican. So he needed somebody in that role who could bring Democrats to the table on different things. So he turned to a Democrat, Joe Moody. This is his second time around as the speaker pro tem. And he would do that. Moody would be the guy there helping to broker a deal, bring Democrats to the table about various issues. In 2019, it was easier to do that because the uh, House and Senate and the governor were all focused on those bread and butter issues. The big thing that they were talking about in 2019 was property taxes and school finances, followed closely by property taxes and school finance. Not much else. So Moody had a little bit of an easier lift in 19. This time around, it's a lot tougher when they're talking about abortion restrictions, constitutional carry, and a host of other red meat things. Jeremy on the show here, uh, this session referred to it as a red meat festival, as far as some of the things that were being debated and discussed and passed. Um, it was a harder lift for Moody, but they changed the rules such that the Speaker Pro Tem's role was a little more formalized to be bringing people into the fold. And here you have Phelan removing Moody as Speaker Pro Tem because Moody is here in Washington with some of these other Democrats who are denying quorum to the Texas House. Um, this is just my thought. If if Moody's role is to try to bring Democrats into the fold, where else would he be? Why wouldn't he be here in Washington? Now, Phelan also <laughs> uh, chartered a plane. He announced yesterday he's chartering a plane that will be on standby in D.C. starting tomorrow on Saturday. I'm taping here on Friday afternoon. Uh, this plane's going to wait for the Democrats and uh, to take them back to Texas. And Phelan said that he would encourage, in fact, no, he demands that Democrats in the Texas House reach out to his office, secure a seat on the plane so it can take them back to Texas. He said the state of Texas is waiting. That's what Phelan said in his statement about this. It was my understanding, and you know, with all that talk about the the 12-pack of Miller Lite, I think I messed up the other day because I called it a case of Miller Lite. It was a 12-pack of Miller Lite. There was one lobbyist who works on alcohol issues who said, you know, the, the, the case and the 12-pack, um, it's notably, noticeably, noticeably different on the box. You can see the curved edges on one of them, and the other one is completely a rectangle. <laughs> he, he was really studying that photo. Anyway, um, you have to understand this. The Republicans are under increased pressure all the time to be more and more extreme in some of their policies and their rhetoric. 
Remember, none of what Abbott is doing is good enough for some other Republicans. Who could I mean? Well, he does have three challengers for his office. One of them is Don Huffines, a Republican from Dallas. He was on the Steve Bannon show. Yes, that's Steve Bannon. And Bannon asked him about why Abbott isn't getting more aggressive. Why isn't he getting tough on these Democrats? Would you send, not wait for him to come back to Texas, would you send DPS or the Texas Rangers out to arrest him here in Washington and cart him back to, 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 uh, to Austin? All right, thanks for the question, Steve. Let me, let me just set the table for you. Greg Abbott allowed this to happen. These jerks pulled this stunt about 60 days ago in a regular session. And everybody in Texas knew this was, they were going to do this again. And you know what he did? He signed hundreds of their bills into law. So he's directly responsible for it. And of course, I would do whatever I can to get those guys back to Texas. We'd arrest them, we'd handcuff them, and we'll bring them right back into Texas and lock the chamber doors and make them do their job. But that state constitution gives us a lot of authority how to deal with this. We can do just about anything in our toolbox. For instance, you could impound their vehicles when they're in Texas. We could empty out their, their offices. We can even empty out their campaign accounts. So there's a lot of tools in the toolbox that can, that can be used. What we need is courageous leadership, and I will never ask permission from the federal government. Now, of course, Huffines is running for office, and the truth is always a casualty in campaigns. So you won't be surprised to learn that some of what he said there is simply not true. I won't go as far right now as saying that he's lying, but uh, if anyone thinks that Abbott and the Speaker are not doing, are not uh, pressing hard enough on the Democrats, well, everything that they're doing right now, it's all things that they are allowed to do. Again, the Democrats in D.C., here in Washington, they're outside the jurisdiction of the Texas Department of Public Safety. You can't send the cops or troops or anything else to come here uh, and round up Democrats and bring them back to Austin. Uh, I think Huffines is right when he says that Abbott is sort of out of control here. I mean, a state government has ground to a halt and Abbott is the guy in charge. So instead of doing what Huffines is suggest, you know, suggesting there to Steve Bannon, Abbott could be trying to use carrots instead of sticks. What do I mean? Well, I mean, he could be talking about some compromise. Remember, when the elections bill passed the Texas House originally during the regular session, it was, in the, in the estimation of Democrats, was improved greatly uh, by the addition of many amendments, some from uh, Democrats, some from Republicans, doing things like decriminalizing some of the mistakes that happen uh, when people are voting in elections, uh, preventing prosecutions when somebody votes in an election they were not eligible to vote in. But uh, under the new uh, proposal, the way it was passed out of the House, you'd have to know that you weren't eligible to vote in that election to then be prosecuted for it. Improvements like that were done. And it seems like people are just moving to their corners on the Democratic side and the Republican side. They're out at their corners and they're not talking to each other. Going right back to what I said about Moody being here in D.C., his role as Speaker Pro Tem had been to bring Democrats into the Speaker's fold. Now he's not in that role anymore. And as folks retreat to their corners, things get worse and worse. Let me end with an example here. Uh, James Tallarico, a Democratic representative from Williamson County, uh, who's sort of one of the rising stars in the Democratic Party. People in the Democratic Party really like him. Uh, and he was on Fox News Channel. And I, I give a lot of credit to Democrats who will go on Fox News 
there are a lot of folks in their own party who don't think that they should do that. I'm giving Tallarico credit here because he's doing the opposite of what I was talking about. Tallarico is uh, demonstrating a willingness to talk to people he does not agree with at all. He was on the air with one of the Fox News hosts, Pete Hegseth, who I'm not all that familiar with. I read a little bit about him. I can tell you what Tallarico says here is true, that Hegseth is not somebody who uh, has, I, I don't know that he never did, but he's not someone leveling with the audience and saying, look, Trump lost the election to Biden. It was fair and square in 2020. But if you listen to these two guys talking, and this is not really a criticism of either of them, if, if it is a little bit more of a criticism of someone, it's Hegseth because he still won't admit that Trump lost in 2020. But it's like the two guys aren't even speaking the same language. We're talking about the same things. Tallarico had said that he was against the voter ID law when it passed in Texas. He opposed that. And of course, we've had voter ID in Texas for 10 years. So when someone like Hegseth brings this up to Tallarico, he's just parroting Trump. Remember, Trump would say over and over again, you must have voter ID. You've got to have voter ID. Trump was talking about that in other states, mainly, because in Texas, we've got it. We've had voter ID for 10 years. It passed the legislature in 2011. So this guy, Hegseth, wants to press Tallarico about that, about why he doesn't support voter ID, and Tallarico wants to talk about something else. Someone you, in your district that can't get identification? You have made a lot of money personally and you've enriched a lot of corporations with advertising by getting on here and spewing lies and conspiracy theories to folks who now trust you. About my and so what I'm asking you to do is I to see. tell your voters right now that Donald Trump hey, lost the election in 2020. At least you resolved that? the lie that is did Democrats you, did you are now for voter ID. It's not did you your hear show, sir. But at least, did, I, at least you resolved the idea that Democrats are not for voter ID. in Real quick. Can you answer um, the question? Did Donald Trump I think lose the election I'm in 2020? Questions. I'm not. Don't is really this feel a, is any this, obligation is this an to answer anything. An uncomfortable question for you. So you hear that uh, they're sort of talking past each other, almost speaking different languages, at least politically, talking about two different things: voter ID uh, from the one guy and from Tallarico. He's talking about whether Trump actually lost the election, which is where all this is coming from. All of this controversy emanates from the fact that President Trump, the former president, uh, his supporters, Fox News viewers, and others cannot admit the truth, which is their guy lost. And when you would say, hey, look, Biden, maybe he's not that great. There's a lot of Democrats who would say Biden is not that great. But then those same Democrats would say to Republicans, but even though he's not that great, he still beats your guy, right? And so you've got to move on. Every time a major political party has lost a presidential election in the past, at least in my lifetime and for most of your lifetimes, every time that's happened, the party that lost did some introspection, did some thinking about what they did wrong to lose, and then they were going to try to make some changes to win the next time around. You didn't have a cult of John McCain on the Republican side or a cult of John Kerry on the Democratic side after both those guys lost. Instead, the parties looked for something else. They looked for a different kind of candidate, a different kind of message, a different messenger. They you know, looked toward their values and, and figured out how they were going to sell that to people who previously were not buying it. And guess what? Those parties bounced back and eventually won the White House uh, You know, with uh, after McCain 
you eventually had the Republicans win Donald Trump after um, John Kerry, who was President Obama. It's a very different messengers, right, went on to win those elections. Uh, and right now the Republicans are just done. They're not doing any version of that at all. Here we are halfway through July of 2021, and we are debating how to change elections laws so that it will avenge Trump somehow rather than looking toward the future everything is looking toward the past which doesn't give me a lot of hope about this stalemate ending anytime soon but we will continue to cover it it is what's happening in texas politics it's what we do here if you enjoy the show and you know you do you should be a subscriber on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, however you listen to your favorite podcast give us the best rating that you can we appreciate it write a nice review that's all very nice of you. Jeremy Wallace at HoustonChronicle.com will be back next week. And we'd love to have you as a subscriber at HoustonChronicle.com and QuorumReport.com. We will see you back here next week to do it all over again. Mm-hmm.